0: You're listening to the Chill Spot Podcast. Welcome to the Chill Spot, where we explore strategies to support mental wellness and examine ways in which various things impact our mental health and process how to manage it all. I'm Jared Morgan and my co-host
1: I am Dr. Alan Lipscomb and
0: today we're going to be talking about um, black male grief, black male trauma, uh, and the state of what's been going on here in the United States with the um, Black Lives Matter protest um, and looking at how uh, to process everything that's been happening. It's real common for um, people of color, uh, males of color to experience uh, secondary trauma from some of the things that are happening, uh, especially with the technology that we have. Uh, I'll admit, um, I actually haven't seen the uh, George Floyd video. Um, This is one of the first that I haven't watched. um, And just over time, I've realized that it, with everything going on right now, I just, I don't have the mental capacity to, to watch it. Um, the Ahmad, um, our very one was bad enough that that like almost brought me down. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's trauma. Um, yeah, you know, that I'm experiencing there and that we experience when we watch things like that. So, um, uh, you've done a lot of research around grief, uh, and male trauma. Um, and so, you know, we want to speak a little bit about that. Um, we, you have, uh, two, um, uh, publications, um, that, um, uh, you know, one, one's older and, uh, than the other, but, um, do you want to talk to us about those? Maybe start out with, the. Uh, Blackmail hunting, exploring the secondary impact of police induced trauma on the black man's psyche?
1: Yes. Um, first, I just want to say I, I appreciate your vulnerability and being open about the struggle and even viewing the video of George Floyd and the impact that viewing Ahmaud Arbery. Um, video had on you. And and that's exactly why I did this particular study, uh, several years back. And it was because I recognized that when we see these videos, or we read about it, or we hear about it, secondarily, we have a trauma response, right. could have a trauma response, just as being black males in in watching it is not to say that other folks cannot, but it it does something, um, unique in a cultural injury and a psychological injury when you identify with the person who had been murdered. Um, specifically when we think about mental health related diagnoses, disorders, challenges, we, utilize the the diagnostic and statistical manual five. This is what is used to classify, understand, diagnose different mental health related challenges. And with PTSD, it does not in the DSM, post-traumatic stress disorder, in the DSM, it does not account for being secondarily exposed to trauma and developing PTSD unless this is by your profession right? So if you're in forensics and you are collecting, you know, body remains and stuff like that, then you can develop that. But if it's not within your profession and it is is not your family member or a friend or a loved one, then the DSM does not capture that. And so I also wanted to highlight that piece too, that no, you can still develop PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, even if it's, it's no relationship to you or connection to you or professionally connected to you. Right. And so if we go back to 2018, uh, just a couple of years back, in 2018, we had um, the murder of Stefan Clark. And Stefan Clark was uh, a 22-year-old uh, African-American male, black male who was in his grandmother's uh, backyard, Mm -hmm. or her home. And he um, had his cell phone and police were called out and they thought it was, assumed it was a gun that he had. And so they shot at Stefan uh, over 20 times. And of the 20 times um, that they shot at him, eight of those bullets actually penetrated the body and the body cam video and footage was released. And so that was March 18th, 2018. And I remember my response to that, just like I have a response to all of the the videos and images that I've seen. And I said, you know what, I I, I need to capture this. Um, And so I decided to do is known as rapid research and that is collecting data um, as the phenomenon is unfolding as it's happening um, and in the moment kind of kind of research if you will so literally that week that it happened I was working on my um, institution research review board proposal so I can get it approved and cleared so that I can get the green light to go ahead and start um, researching this and surveying black males. And so within three weeks, I was able to get the approval and I began studying and surveying uh, black males' reaction to the fatal shooting of Stephon Clark.
0: Right. Wow. And um, yeah, I, you know, I remember when that happened. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember if I saw, yeah, I think I saw that video. Um, and I, I actually follow his brother on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. Stavante Clark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and, uh, honestly shelter in place. I, am like, so confused on time right now. So I can't remember. Um, it may have, maybe close to a year, um, that he ended up winning a seat, um, and, uh, in public office, um, in Oakland. Um, and and kind of using that momentum still from uh, his brother's murder, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, can you um, you know, talk about what happens to an individual uh, when they um, witness uh, a murder like that? Uh, and I'm specifically thinking of—I I just found out today that the person who uh, filmed um, uh, George Floyd. Floyd being murdered was a, like a 17 year old. Um, and I me and my wife said the first thing we said was like, wow, that they are going to, um, you know, most likely develop PTSD from that. Um, luckily they have already got them seeing someone, um, which is you know extremely necessary, but you know, what are some of the, um, side effects people could expect or, or symptoms from PTSD?
1: um sure sure you know some yeah. some of the symptoms of of ptsd is recurring flashbacks of the event right it could be day terrors um nightmares um another symptom is hypervigilance right so feeling like maybe you know the fourth of july is coming up hearing Fireworks may trigger activate guns if you know they witness um, that or heard gunshots um, or hearing someone say "I can't breathe." Mm-hmm. It may trigger a response. Um, difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, could also be symptoms of it. Um, anxiety, right? E- easily on edge, um, agitated, could also be some symptoms of. PTSD just in general, and that's not unique to, to Black males, but that's in general, developing PTSD. One of the things that I saw or, or, or um, found as a result of the research I did on Stefan Clark's Black male hunting article is that I surveyed 62 Black males. And there were three common themes among the Black males that I surveyed. And the first theme was emotional reactions of anger and sadness, right? So I think this directly speaks to something that you were touching on at the beginning and, and after the intro was the reason why you are choosing not to view it because right. of the emotional reaction that you're gonna have. And, and maybe you may have anger, maybe you may be overcome with sadness. Um, and, and so that's one of, the the reactions and the symptoms that folks might feel, specifically Black males, when they see this, not to say that other folks are not going to be enraged and angry and upset. Mm -hmm. It becomes important when we start to look at theme two and specifically theme three. Theme two was psychophysiological symptoms of hypervigilance, avoidance, and disassociation. So now we're starting to see some of the symptoms that we would see in PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? The hypervigilance, so many of these black males um, out of the 62 that I surveyed, majority of them reported that they're always checking, right? Making sure that no one's following them, no one's targeting them, et cetera, right? Being on edge or avoidance, right? So I need to walk this way because I, want to avoid law enforcement up the street or i need to make sure i'm visible so that i won't be seen as uh suspected as doing something um and then disassociation so needing to disconnect from it right which is some of the stuff that you were touching on too is that i just need to just be removed ever so slightly just to maintain my own sanity and my own emotional health Um, from what's happening. So there's people that can't watch it, that can't view it, can't um, read about it because it's so overwhelming. And then the final one that is really uh, sets it apart from other folks who are not Black viewing this is that recognizing the injustices of Black male bodies and being targeted. So you can recognize the injustices, But when you feel like you are the one carrying that target, that takes it a step deeper, right? Right. That only enhances and exacerbates those feelings and symptoms that we were just talking about and and feeling like that. And so one of the participants from this research said that I I feel like we are being hunted as black men. And that's where I got the title of this um, article from because it spoke to me when I was reviewing and analyzing the data. And I said, oh, th- this is it. This is this is what the feeling is. It's, it's as if you are being hunted and, and specifically targeted.
0: Right. And 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 I know like we we go back and forth talking about um people of color and you know black males. And I think specifically on this episode it's it's really about um both. Um probably first about black males given that we've seen a majority of these people killed have been black males um even though there have been females killed as well uh like sandra bland and brianna taylor correct um but um the vast majority have been males so they look like you and me um and there is that connection of like wow that 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 could be me
1: um, yeah, it it, it it hits it hits your soul.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right, it 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 hits your soul, um, especially if you are of the same age group cohort of the person. Right, I, I know, like when I talk to some older Black males, um, they see the injustice, they recognize it, but because they've lived through a different time than us. They can experience it different, <clears throat> and it might not pierce at their soul the way it might do someone who's younger, and maybe this is their first time seeing something like this. Mm. You know,
0: right?
1: Yeah, there's some folks who grew up in seeing people being lynched, right? And so to them, while it's traumatic,
0: right, it's on, a different,
1: it's on a different level. It's kind of like their palate and tolerance is a little bit different, correct? Right, right. Um, although disturbing nonetheless
0: still disturbed by it nonetheless yeah so talk about what this does for black males because there must be this internal conflict because obviously this stuff is is gross to watch it's it's terrible it's i you know i could use every word in the book to describe it and it invokes emotion, but emotion in our community or culture is seen as weak, um, especially when you're a male. But yeah. you and I both know that crying is extremely powerful, but um, oftentimes we refuse to cry, especially in front of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually numb. So, what we, you know, that, that must be doing something uh, alongside the, um, the trauma and the PTSD by holding in all those feelings and sweeping them under the rug.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, because I've been doing blackmail grief research for the past seven and a half years, I look at everything through. Uh, a bmgr lens a black male grief reaction lens and so what we're seeing is a truncated grief expression right so they're being forced what i call forced cultural acceptance right you're having to accept these conditions and situations because there's no space for you to express it No, no, no one's really checking for that expression and checking in on you regarding that. And so you hold it in and you go to anger or you withdraw or you avoid it or you deny, you know. So, some of those things that we see, but the common reactions that I see among uh, Black men dealing with traumatic grief is withdraw, mm-hmm. um, feeling honor or pride towards the person who has died. Like we see with George Floyd, like we saw with Kobe Bryant, right? Um, Nipsey Hussle, sense of pride. Um, Or, and this is the other one that I just touched on again with the other research is hypervigilance, needing to always be on on guard as a a reaction. Um, Acceptance, I talk about the force culture acceptance, or activism, which we're seeing now today, right? Mm -hmm. People are getting up you know, so so sublimating, channeling back into something that is positive and trying to move it forward and and bring about some some structural systemic changes. Um, And then the final one is being triggered. So triggering deeper emotions, triggering paranoia, triggering other uh, mental health related symptoms. And so what I say is that we have been bereft of a bereavement experience and that's the misbereavement Mm. right not given space not given credence visibility Mm -hmm. Uh, different than than um disenfranchised grief right when folks don't recognize the loss right but this is more we're not able to have a bereavement process yeah right because we hold it all in or we don't emote you know no one's assessing, asking about it. They don't see it as a grief and loss experience. We're seeing more and more stuff being talked about this, and we're going to see more as a result of what we're seeing play out today around grief reactions. But I've been saying this for years. This is grief we're looking at. And so to to answer that question, what happens is it gets stifled. It it, it gets um, ignored and denied.
0: Right. And and not in... You know I was having a conversation with someone the other day who was really upset about uh, some of the uh, looting that was happening and and I referenced that the looting at its core was was pain and the person I was having a conversation about with this about couldn't couldn't see that um, and although I don't condone yeah any of this looting. I understand that majority of the people who are doing the looting although they may be taking an opportunity during these times um and even if you know outside of you know maybe some people actually taking advantage of this situation and, and being caucasian but even if you have some younger uh black and brown males going and doing some of the looting it you can't deny the fact that some of them have come from lower socioeconomic uh, neighborhoods sure. and probably have had trauma. And even though they're not maybe experiencing it the way that we expect them to, to experience it about this George Floyd, is like they still have that trauma and that pain and, and, and it yeah. might be coming out this way
1: well, um, for sure.
0: And, and it, that, that's just the, where, you know, Black and brown men of color are at with all of this, and even more than that, because yeah, constantly
1: just black and brown, right? We saw exactly, white yeah. folk out there looting and, and yeah, in boards and stuff in Santa Monica and yeah. pulling off to get the get the surfboard. And so, yes, you're right. And, with the and yeah, and they might
0: they might have pain as well. I really I don't know who those people are. Um, yeah, uh, but. Yeah, And I mean, assuming in other neighborhoods outside of Santa Monica, it's very possible. Um, You know, because I I don't know where all these riots and or the looting is happening. Um, It could be very much in some poor neighborhoods. Um, So yeah, I- I I think this
1: time, you know, this time we saw it different than in 92 with Rodney King. Right. And, you know, I I was a child then I was 10 then. So I remember it. But it was in the low-income communities. This time, yeah. they're going outside of their own communities, and they're going to like Santa Monica, mm-hmm. Westwood, etc. Um, and so, I, I always say there's there's multiple truths that that can exist in the space. There's multiple truths that can exist about one person. Right. Um, and so, I think folks were out there looting and rioting for multiple reasons. There's multiple truths that existed as to why they did that. And right. I think right. one of those truths is what you are touching on, and that's that anger, trauma response, frustration. I'm about to burn some shit up, right? <laughs> and, and, and like I, I tell my students, I don't excuse behavior, but we're trying to understand behaviors,
0: right? right? Exactly. And so we
1: can understand where that level of frustration, animosity, and anger is coming from, for sure which is different than the protest and what their focus was on. So it's important that um, folks don't lump that into one.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Right? Because then it takes away from the message and the reason why folks are out there protesting.
0: And, and yeah, I mean, and, and ultimately though, the only reason I, I, I brought it up was to just show um, just really our true plight um and and where we are as people of color um that it it it's not just this um you know one answer um yeah you know there's there's a lot of pain and it's seen in, in different ways or it comes out in different ways um tell me tell us a little bit about um your your other article you have the right to uh Exclaim, explain your pain? All right.
1: Exclaim, yeah, exclaim. you have the right to exclaim your pain, honoring Black familial voices impacted by police induced trauma in the United States. And so, this, you know, it's, it's so interesting how, how things work out and things come together because I submitted this for review for publication, peer review for publication nine and a half almost 10 months ago and it just got published right now so talk about timing right it got accepted in march did some revisions and then it got published right now and um this research came out of the families right the impact that police induced trauma have on families and i want to honor those experiences and voices and so a lot of the research that i do much of the research that i do honors communities of color and honors black folks. Mm -hmm. I refer to this as black action research, research that seeks to honor the voices, the community and culture that is black and um, also highlight healing and resiliency among black folk and black community. And so I wanted to do that with this, you know, and I wanted to play on the whole, you shouldn't be saying nothing. No, you have the right to remain silent and hence the title you have the right actually to exclaim your pain you get to yell it you get to scream it you get to you know put it out there and so i wanted to honor those narratives and voices and so with this particular research and for the audience both of these uh articles can be found online for free Um, you can just google blackmail hunting and it should be one of the first ones if not the first one that shows up and you can also google you have the right to exclaim your pain and that should be um, available for free. So with this particular research, we um, I surveyed, interviewed uh, 10 families, 10 families within Los Angeles County, and specifically looking at their experiences around police-induced trauma in the community and then how that impacts them and their families, um, and, and, and how that impacts ongoing how they move beyond these encounters, right? And so when we looked at that and looked at some of the themes that came as a result of this particular research, the first theme was aggressive racial uh, profiling that was happening. And so we understand we've seen this throughout history. Uh, This is not nothing that is new to us um, within the the black community, African-American community. Uh, the second theme was fear for their black men and boys. So I did specifically ask a question about do you fear, do you have fear for your black men and boys? But this was a common theme among the 10 um, folks that, families that we interviewed. And one of the things, if I, if I can read one of the quotes, it says, now that I'm a mother, it makes me think of all the things my son is going to go through just because he's, he is African-American and he's a male, Mm -hmm. right? She continued on to say, uh, it's always a scary feeling whenever his dad leaves the house or when my son gets older and wants to hang out with his friends, because that's, what's going to be in the back of my mind. Like, oh my gosh, did my son walk outside with a hoodie on? Did he have, Earphones in, right? And so what we're seeing is that families are really speaking to the psychological and emotional burden that this has, not just for their children, but also for their spouse and partners who are out in the community who are living their lives. And so that 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 extra burden and concern. Oh, okay. I forgot there's more things. <laughs> but did you want to say something about that before I move on to the third
0: one? I was going to say, can, can you explain resiliency?
1: Yes. So resiliency is the ability to bounce back equal to or better than mm-hmm. the significant event that has happened or the crisis. right? Sure. So the, the ability to bounce back. And when we think about resiliency, we think about what protective factors are in place to assist and aid that individual in being able to bounce back. And some folks, they never bounce back to quite what it was like, but they have found a new way of being and existing.
0: Right, right. And and I just wanted the audience to to know what that was because that is uh I don't know, I, I would say a you know pretty foundational um in 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 our work in our field
1: yeah so definitely definitely and so the the third theme was surviving police encounters the avoidance mm-hmm. here we go with the avoidance theme again right two different studies but yet avoidance is coming up so when people say well why don't you want to go there why don't you want to do this why don't you want to hang out that could be part of that avoidance piece I don't want to get caught up. I don't want anyone to assume and think X, Y, and Z. So, even the privilege to be able to move about freely and do things, there's a psychological kind of like a mental Rolodex, if you will, making decisions outside of your immediate home and your environment. Um, and then the, the final theme was predominant conversations around race within the family, right? So, having to talk about this mm-hmm. this being an ongoing conversation and discussion and not just a, a one-time um treat everyone equal <laughs> right. which i hear from from, from folks um uh, like you know we talked about that yeah i uh,
0: i think it's sometimes that the the conversation after you experience something with uh, police officers or something traumatic is really hard to talk about in in this um, on this topic is because there's a sense of the more you talk about it the more aware you become of how powerless you are against the actual system
1: and how painful it is yes
0: right um otherwise I, and that's
1: I, why sorry if i beg and that's right. why what we are witnessing today is so powerful and overwhelming emotionally speaking right because folks are showing up in numbers yep
0: absolutely but yep yeah. um because yeah it seems that every time thing like i can't imagine how Ahmad arbery's mom's felt three four days after the event happened and you know the the murderers got away and it's like where's the justice yeah um and you know here we go again that nothing happens to them and it's just like how how powerless do you feel um We, it it has to be a defense mechanism to not talk about
1: it. And then where do you put that? That, That's my piece. That's always been my piece in my clinical work and in my research work is, so then when do we process that? When do we get to unpack that? And Mm -hmm. the thing I say over and over again is what gets left out of movements and activism is emotional and psychological justice. That is social justice work, so you know I strive to be able to assist, un- the unpacking of that, and promoting healing and getting folks to a space and place where they can heal. And I get that you can't heal while it's still happening to you. Right. I get that too.
0: Well, you know what? What can we do to ensure that people can heal? Um, because, uh... yeah therapy support groups, uh, yep. is probably um, seen as just as weak as crying uh, amongst our people. So how how do you accomplish that?
1: I think there, there's something to be said around validating experiences around mm-hmm. being racialized and experiencing trauma. I think when we deny it and don't call attention to it, it only adds to the emotional wounding. um, I I think we have to be able to externalize it from the individual, Hmm. because folks can internalize that experience. So we got to let them know, no, no, this is what that is. This is what that was. It's not going to take away from the feeling, but at least it's going to let them know that it's not because of you personally. Because what it also does is it it wounds the sense of self-esteem. It it impacts how they see themselves and self-image based on being targeted, based on being harassed. So you can internalize that information in those those encounters and experiences. So what could help is folks are naming it, calling it out. And that's why I'm loving that uh, folks are moving towards, and there's a push towards anti-racist work, anti-racism work. So it's not enough just to say, well, I'm not racist but also you have to call out and advocate when you see things that right. are rooted in racism that are unjust um, et cetera. etc right right i think that, that provides healing that can provide healing i'll say yeah
0: yeah, yeah i mean I, i'm sure there there's many ways but i think um, sure we certainly need some suggestions because I, I think it's safe to say that we are we aren't healing Uh, For the most part.
1: Yeah. Um, And and I think talking about it, just like we're doing today. Right. You know, there's there's so much conversations that are happening around this. And I I do think that voices need to be heard and honored. Mm -hmm. But I also think that you can get caught up and overwhelmed with so many outlets. Uh, that's wanting to hear from you, wanting to check in with you, you know, it'd be overwhelming because it's like you wake up one day and folks are really concerned and being emotionally considerate. And right. It's like, whoa, like I don't even know how to receive that because yesterday you didn't give me that, yeah. right? And yeah. so, you know, I want to hear from you here. I want to, you know, talk to you about this. Can you do this? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, wow. Um, it's kind of like, <laughs> I relate this to when I got my doctorate and when folks know they had my doctorate. It's like I woke up with privilege. Right, right, it's like wow. There's a level <laughs> of respect that came when people knew yeah. what my credentials were before I entered into the space, and I was like, wow, this must be what it's like to have a level of privilege, right? To be to be able to already get that respect when people know because mm-hmm. they don't know just by looking at me, but when people know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I find myself to be a lot of white people's only black friend. Um, so I've received a lot of text messages Um, I'm fortunate enough to one um, having the same black male therapist since I was 11 so it's like over 20 years um, but also being able to have discussions with like you um i'm in a house where we talk about this stuff a lot and i've had a really weird reaction to these times because almost amongst this chaos is where i feel the calmest because i'm seeing and most hope well i'm more so hoping that people see that protesting and voting go hand in hand um and that something must be done but i'm I'm not, the only thing that's shocking is that this is happening like in the midst of a pandemic. I can't believe these like two storms hit at the same time, but, um, I've been expecting, um, this unrest to come, um, because since the first killing, um, or, not the first killing but the first, the first yeah. killing of this whole that started this whole black lives matter movement um and with technology um michael brown um there has been so many similarities between um the misconduct of these officers um or their rap sheets yes. um and how that was overlooked um, the background or the media's portrayal of these males um, and females, and it, it just—it's it, all of it has looked the same, and nothing has really changed. Yeah. Um, and then you have a, a black officer in Minneapolis shoot and kill a, a white woman, and then he gets twelve and twelve and a half years and or more. Yeah. Um So it's like the tables turned. Um, probably. I'm not. I can't remember if she got convicted, but um, um, in in Texas, um, that uh, woman cop, um, who killed uh, his name is eluding me, um, in his home, um, you know, sh- because she's a female and not a white male officer, I'm sure she'll get time. But you know, outside of that, it's been just you know slaps on the wrist and yeah, um, you know, I'm I just been waiting people will finally wake up and see like oh my god these are just all the same um and maybe it's because yeah. they've been locked up in this uh shelter in place that people just kind of exploded um i
1: think so i think it, it made the perfect storm it was a perfect yeah that's
0: exactly like a, the perfect storm it's just yeah folks are fed day, up
1: day. they're off work or working from home and wanting to be of service and wanting to do something and seeing the injustices and you're right, in the middle of a pandemic, it's not the best time, but
0: <laughs> no, but it,
1: it, you know it, it called for it, and folks were able, they're not at school, you know, our, our, our high schoolers or our, even our elementary middle school, and college students, you know. Right. Um, and I think it, it becomes important allyship too. and that's been a beautiful mm-hmm. thing that we have not seen in quite some time, the level right. of allyship uh showing up and going out there which is also goes back to what I was saying o- earlier emotionally overwhelming in, in in a good way in a positive way um and not having to tell people what to do you know you should be doing this and you can do this it's like
0: right i okay so uh i was uh driving back home today um and uh, i live in a predominantly caucasian city um and I drove by and I I didn't hear about the protest uh that was happening today, so I completely missed that. But uh in front of um our veterans memorial park, um, you know, there was protesters uh kneeling, taking a knee and uh fists raised and silent and mm-hmm. had uh you know Black Lives Matter um banners. Um and has a black male in the car, I drove by just kind of. I don't know. I felt almost like king like, like, oh, thank you for being out yes. there for me. Cause I didn't see yes. one black person out there. Yeah. Um, and it was just like about
1: time yeah. that. Which, yeah, which is fine. I like goes, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like, and I didn't, yeah. I
0: didn't feel like a sense of, like, oh, I should be there. It's, uh, I had my daughter in the car. So I, I mean, I couldn't. Uh, um, no. yeah. But um yeah, it was just like, well, you know, thank you. It, it's about time that, you know, you're out here fighting this injustice because it's not new to twenty twenty. It really isn't.
1: Yeah, and it's not new to us. That's another yeah. reason why, you know, I, I I don't have the capacity psychologically and emotionally speaking to do that. You right. know, and my children they're not gonna go. They're afraid right. of cops and they are afraid of me going, too. So this is where allyship shows up and ends up and the consistency in allyship, right? So not just it fizzles away after this protest and also stopping holding police officers accountable after this, like we need to see this go ongoing because if it does continue to happen and they get convicted, then we will start to see a shift because they yeah, recognize yeah. that they
0: won't be able to get away with it anymore. Exactly.
1: This is going yeah. to shift some things.
0: Right. I mean, there has to be consequences. And I, and I think, you know, you, you're going to see the shift. Um, it was, we had a lot of respect for Keith Ellison uh, um, and he's the attorney general, general of um, Minnesota. So, you know, um, I, and he's very outspoken, and you know, he of course he's not going to let this—I don't think—go lightly. So, um, yeah, and and just you know, my background—I've always pushed, and part of why I started teaching at CSUN was because of my policy background, um mm-hmm. and trying to always talk about local and state representatives. Um, because they're the ones that really make that kind of change. It's, it's not the president. Correct. Um Correct. and you'd be surprised how many people don't even know what an assembly member or state senator is. Um, they have no clue. Um, and so, you know, when we we you know, here in California we have a Latinx uh attorney general. So
1: um,
0: you know, if something like that. You know where to happen here I and mean, he'd be right on it um yeah although you know l a p d has some iffy situations but um yeah it it it's it really starts with there and and voting in you know specific d a s who you know we can hold accountable so I really hope that the the fire from this this um unrest doesn't die out quickly yeah um, like it has beforehand. Um, because I think that that's part of the healing as well, is seeing some change. Yes. Um, and then that would allow us to to maybe open up a little bit more to have more conversations with other people about what's hurting us inside.
1: Yeah, that's the visibility. That's the naming it. You know, when we're able to call attention to it, hold people accountable, that begins to release of that you can start to exhale a little bit ever so slightly because you're seeing okay this is wrong you're being held accountable and you know it right? you don't need that to happen but to see that you are valued right that your life is valued and that's where the whole black lives matter uh comes from yeah right that you are valued just like everyone else is, is is valued um and so yeah yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens and how this unfolds
0: yeah really uh i look forward to it um
1: you too
0: yeah and uh forgot to mention at the beginning but congratulations on your uh promotion to nice. um thank you associate correct correct uh associate professorship at yes. northridge correct. Um,
1: yeah, so that will take it in- taken to effect start in uh, the fall of
0: this year. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, you know, what we need um, more people of color moving up, um, more people of color um, with these specialties um, to provide this type of research um, that you've been doing um, to yeah. really guide us towards being able to, to heal. Um, yeah, we cannot do it without a platform. And without guidance, uh, so much of what we have out there. And this is not to discredit people of color before you that have written stuff. Um, it's just so many things. Um, so much of the publication out there is um, by white people for white people. And then we just, you know, kind of do the same thing for people of color. Um and we don't have as much research from the lens of a person of color so yeah um, I look forward to the, uh, more work and, and you have you know tons of published articles out there but I, I, I continue to look forward to the new stuff that's coming out and hopefully we can continue to talk about it on some future episodes uh, for
1: sure there's some good podcast. stuff that yeah. I um, have been working on and submitted and should be coming out soon um and so yeah i would love to continue to have conversations
0: wonderful all right well we will talk to you all next time stay safe care